Welcome to a bonus episode of 5 Minutes in Church History. Recently, I sat down in the Renewing Your Mind studio to chat about the past six years of this podcast. That's right, it's been that long for this podcast. Well, we shared some highlights with the listeners over at Renewing Your Mind, and I really wanted you, our 5 Minutes in Church History listeners, to hear it too. I hope you enjoy this bonus episode. Augustine liked to call humanity Adam's sinful lump. And this great potter, the Magnus, pulls some clay from this lump and reshapes it. He redeems sinful hearts through the atoning blood of the sacrifice of the God-man on the cross. God gives us peace. That's Ligonier Teaching Fellow Dr. Stephen Nichols from his podcast, Five Minutes in Church History. Every week, he offers a brief glimpse of how God has worked in the church from one generation to the next and how we can draw encouragement from that today. We're pleased to have Dr. Nichols with us today. He is president of Reformation Bible College, Ligonier Ministries' chief academic officer, as well as a noted church historian. And uh, also joining us is our, our Director of Communications here at Ligonier Ministries, Nathan W. Bingham. And uh, it's great to have you both with us today. Dr. Nichols, it was six years ago that you launched Five Minutes in Church History. Uh, tell us how it came about. Yeah, you know, I had this idea for a podcast on church history. And when we were thinking about this, we were thinking, well, how do you bring this into folks' lives? How do you introduce church history to them? How do you bring them along? We landed on this idea of five minutes. Who doesn't have five minutes, right? And, you know, Nathan's here. We're going to have a great conversation in this episode together. Nathan was right there at the beginning. Uh, of course, Chris Larson was involved in this. John Cobb, another employee here at, at Ligonier Ministries. So we had the idea. A group of us sat in a room. And the next thing you know, at, at the end of that meeting, we had five minutes in church history as an idea. And we thought, well, let's record some of these and, and see how it goes and see where it goes. Yeah, and yeah. here we are six years later uh, with these episodes. And Nathan, you remember being part of that uh, conversation. Huh? Yes, I remember it vividly. Um, even conversations about, is it five with the, the number five or do we spell out five? Um, this is really new territory for Ligonier to, to have a podcast that had its own identity that wasn't Dr. Sprawl and Renewing Your Mind. So we were we were breaking new ground. and. I think even in those conversations, we were excited about it, but I don't think we realized just how popular this podcast would become. And and I think just personally reflecting on it, one of the secrets is just how relatable Dr. Nichols makes church history. And as I've spoken to Ligonier students on campus and, and around the country, I hear that, that same testimony that he, he brings this passion and relatability to people from church history. Uh, and I remember an early episode, I actually think it's the second episode of Five Minutes in Church History. Hmm. It's, it's you talking about John Calvin, Dr. Nichols, and his commentary oh, on yes. his Second lost. Corinthians. That's right. <laughs> his lost commentary. And he, and he lo- loses the commentary. He does. And he kind of throws a tantrum and says, God, I'll never turn to Corinthians again if he doesn't find this, this lost manuscript of his commentary. Well, let's listen to a portion of that right now. After he sent off 1 Corinthians to the printer, Calvin set to work on 2 Corinthians. He finished it in a flurry. From what we can tell, Calvin's record was 17,000 words in about three days. That's 100 pages of writing. So Calvin finished 2 Corinthians. In late July 1546, 
he sent the manuscript, the only copy of the manuscript, by way of a courier to Strasbourg. It was handwritten, no backup. It went missing for over a month. Another roadblock. Back in Geneva was a very anxious Calvin. He wrote, If I find that my commentary is lost, I have decided to never return to Paul again. His friends weren't of much help. Rather than console him, Guillaume Ferrell, probably his best friend, wrote to him, Given that mothers do not neglect their children, you too should have sent out this fruit of the Lord with greater care. Ouch! Apparently, Ferrell was reading the account of Job's friends and mistakenly thought it was a command. But then, on September 15, 1546, the word reached Calvin. The long-lost manuscript was found and safely at Strasbourg and being set to print. And so I remember hearing that and just realizing, finally, I can relate to Calvin, this great reformer. He, he responds to God sometimes in the way I sinfully do, um, and he was just so much more relatable. You know, Nathan, I, I think this is what I really enjoy about church history and bringing church history to people. I, I think for so many, church history is, is an encyclopedia entry. It's a sort of flat. They're historic figures. They even look different from us. They, they inhabit a foreign country, the past. But the reality is they're folks who had spouses, children, had successes, also had failures, had frustrations and difficulties, challenges in their life. And we sometimes have these figures on such a high pedestal, we forget they were people. And we forget that they too had to grow as disciples. And, you know, you use the word a tantrum of Calvin. Here is Mr. Sovereignty of God himself who needs to learn that lesson at a time in his life, and he does. Um, so, yeah, I, I think this is to me what excites me about teaching church history is to help Christians today recognize these are folks from the past that we can relate to and we need to see as people and as disciples of Christ, not just an encyclopedia entry. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Nichols, you don't just take us back into the to the centuries, back to Calvin and Luther and, and even further back the, than that, but you also highlight modern figures. And uh, so I, I need to ask you, who's your favorite modern figure that uh, you've profiled on Five Minutes in Church History? And I have a sneaking suspicion I know who it is. I bet you do, Lee. <laughs> and uh, we all know him very well, don't we? Knew him very well. Yeah, sure. I, the Times recording with R.C. were great. And, you know, this is the thing. Church history is still being written. And as long as God tarries, church history is being written. And someday, the church history textbooks, and clearly one of those figures is going to be in there is R.C. Sproul. And the times that we were able to have him on, in the studio and record some of these five minutes with him were just really precious memories for me, and I hope helpful for people as well. And he enjoyed them too. I mean, he, he looked forward to some of them were done here in the studio and right. even some recorded in his home. And uh, right. uh, I know that he looked forward to that. You had a number of uh, podcasts with R.C., uh, but it was a, a lot of fun hearing his uh, top five books that he would take yes. to a deserted island. <laughs> yes. So for, before we listen to R.C., do the, you also had some ground rules uh, for the books they could consider, right? Yeah, because you know what's going to happen, Lee. They're all going to have the same books. They're all drinking at the same well. So they're going to say Calvin. They're going to say Augustine. They're going to say Luther. I wanted to hear some other books. So I would tell them it's already got a good study Bible, which, of course, would be the Reformation study Bible. And it's already got the works of Augustine. It's got Calvin on there. It's got the works of Edwards. Now let's go from there. 
So with that, let's listen to a portion of this particular Five Minutes in Church History. What five books would you want to take with you to this deserted island? Well, the first one I'd like to have, Steve, is How to Survive on a Deserted <laughs> Island. <laughs> no, you, you cheated. You already took my, my favorite books. So now I have to think about other ones. Well, I would certainly take Luther's Bondage of the Will because that, that made a tremendous impact to me. And I've read it probably four times. Mm-hmm. And I, I really like that book. Classic R.C. sense of humor coming out there in that answer, right, that, Steve? That uh, infectious laugh. Oh, we miss him so much. But as we've heard uh, our president, Chris Larson, say so often, it's so good to be able to hear his voice. So, Nathan, what do you think R.C. would make of, of the growth of these podcasts and the Internet and the impact that it's had on Ligonier Ministries' outreach? Well, I think in one sense, Dr. Sproul would not be surprised at all. He was a wise man. He knew the power of new technology. He knew the power of, of mediums to be able to communicate God's Word. And throughout his life and ministry, he saw the Lord's blessing upon those similar endeavors, whether it was tapes going around the country or around the world. Or this radio program in 1994. That's right. 25 years ago this October and saw just how that resulted in explosive growth for the ministry. And so then when digital and internet outreach came a part of, of Ligonier Ministries, Dr. Sproul saw that, and he may not have known all the finer details of how that technologically plays out, but got to observe just how that was increasing the reach of, of Ligonier and the stories and testimonies of people that are so impacted by his teaching and the teaching of our teaching fellows through those channels. But in an area where I think he would be surprised, and I think we're all surprised is just how significantly the Lord has continued to bless our internet outreach, even in the the past year, reaching more than 13 million people every single year. Uh, And so as a ministry, we're seeing this growth and we're really trying to uh, fuel the fire New podcast coming out. We've, we've launched one this year called Simply Put. We have more in the works. Uh, I'm really trying to, to make the most of this opportunity that the Lord has put in front of us to be able to reach more people. So as an organization, we're really surprised and so thankful for our donors who have come alongside us supporting this work and the hand of God's blessing that, that we're seeing day in and day out. Oh, you're so right, Nathan. And as I'm sitting here listening to you, I'm thinking just how humbling it is to be a part of this. You know, from the beginning, Ligonier has been a content teaching ministry, and you had to go to it. And we live in a moment now where, where we can get this out to so many people. And as, as I travel around and as we travel around, we come into contact with people who are truly impacted by these things. And it's a very humbling thing to be sitting here and we're not always sure who is out there listening. And when we meet them and we hear the impact this has had on their lives, it's a very gratifying thing to be a part of. But it also reminds us what a stewardship it is mm. to be faithful and putting teaching that truly helps people move closer in their walk to Christ and in their knowledge of God and their worship and service of him. Yeah, you're echoing what R.C., his aspirations were for the ministry. He, he had confidence that the Lord would bless it only if we remained faithful hmm. to Scripture, and that continues to be our goal. Steve, if you will, tell us about other themes or other series that you've explored in Five Minutes in Church History. 
Well, one thing we started was trending. This is, of course, with technology, we always want to know what's trending now. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, let's play on that a little bit because here we are as, as in the 21st century, we are so consumed with what's trending now. So I wanted to play on that a little bit. So well, let's talk about what was trending in the 12th century. <laughs> let's talk about what was trending in the 5th century. Uh, just to remind us that we are a people with a past and that the history of us shapes us. And we need to be aware of it. Uh, so that was kind of a fun way to just look at centuries and what were some of those big movements within centuries and how either people or events or movements had an impact that really can be felt down to the present day. So uh, we've done a few of these and, and we'll be doing some more of things that are trending in the various centuries. Well, let's listen to uh, a portion of, of one of these themes of the trending podcasts. And uh, this is from the 13th century. Oh my, what a busy century the 1200s were. Let's start off with Francis of Assisi. In 1209, he made his way to the Vatican and petitioned the Pope to start a new monastic order. By 1210, it had grown, and all of a sudden, we have the new order of the Franciscans. Secondly, we have the Crusades, and so tragic. In 1212, we have the Children's Crusade. It's a true tragedy from the pages of church history. We also have trending in the 13th century, the rise of Aristotle. Now, are you ready? This is all A's. I'm going to give you four of them. The first, of course, is Aristotle, the great Greek thinker. And the next is Averroes. Averroes was a Muslim scholar who died just as the 12th century was ending, and he brought about a revival of Aristotle and translated much of Aristotle's writings from the Greek into the Latin. A number of those books ended up at the University of Paris, and there we bump into another A, Albertus Magnus. He lived from 1200 to 1280. He was a German-born scholar, spent many years at the University of Paris, and he taught Aristotle, and he taught Aristotle to his star pupil, and this is the last A, Aquinas. Yes, Thomas Aquinas dominated the 13th century, born in 1225. He dies in 1274. So enough to say that he was the dominant figure of the 13th century. And Dr. Nichols, you not only take us back through the centuries, you actually go on location for some of these podcasts, right? Yeah, we do. And those are a real highlight for me uh, to be on location recording history where it happened. And the highlight of the highlight has to be the month we spent in Germany and recording what was a whole month of episodes for uh, October 2017, that month that ended with the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. And so we were all over Germany, but a really fascinating place was the time that we were at Eisenach. And Eisenach is the town that is at the, the foot of where the Wartburg was, the castle where Luther hid out after Worms. But it was also a town he had previously been to, Eisenach, as a student. And this is fascinating for this little town in Germany to have this as a claim to fame. Its two famous students were Martin Luther and a musician by the name of Johann Sebastian Bach. Wow. And so we found ourselves standing outside of the Bach house in Eisenach, the Wartburg towering over us. What a great location, inspiring place to record an episode, and so we did. Well, let's listen. And if you remember, at the end of Luther's life, he's going to say that God did it all, 
that Luther did not bring the Reformation to Wittenberg. He didn't bring the Reformation to these German lands, that God did it. And Luther has this line that while Nicholas and I sat in the pub, God did it all. God's word accomplished the Reformation. Dr. Nichols, I had a privilege of joining you on that trip, and, and one of the unforgettable moments for me was there in Wittenberg. I remember walking you know, through the, the center of town, and I'm walking to the, the castle church there where Luther nailed his 95 theses. And as I'm approaching, I see you, and you're there, and you've got your grin from ear to ear, smiling. And as I come to you, you, you tell me you've just got off the phone with Dr. Sproul, and you, you recorded an episode of Five Minutes in Church History with him right there at the castle church in Wittenberg. Yeah. You know, that, that was a great moment. Of course, he had been there numerous times previously, was not able to join us on that trip. But I thought, we need to capture this moment. And so he was back here. I was there. We coordinated it. And we, we just had that moment where we remembered. And, you know, you think about this, Nathan, you're standing in a physical location where outside of the events of the Bible, I'm not sure there is a more significant moment in history in October 31, 1517, at the Castle Church doors in Wittenberg. And uh, it was just a, a wonderful thing for me to, to be able to capture that moment uh, with RC. We are soon at October 31st, and I have a very special guest to join us on this episode of Five Minutes in Church History. Hello, Dr. Sproul. Hey, hello, Steve. How are you? Dr. Sproul, this is an important place, and it's an important year, 2017. As you think about Luther's legacy over 500 years, what strikes you as most significant? I think the most significant thing, of course, is the recovery of the gospel itself and the motto, uh, post tenebris looks after darkness, light, and the legacy that Luther himself considered was the necessity that that gospel be recovered in every generation down to the present. And it is. In every generation, there's been a crisis at some point over the purity of the gospel. On many of these podcasts, Steve, you, you draw quite a crowd. I remember being with you recently for two or three recordings of your podcast. We were at the Museum of the Bible, and we had several Ligonier students who had gathered for an event there. And and they were captivated watching you look at these great treasures of church history. Well, I, I think it was the manuscripts, Lee, that they were actually captivated by because you know, we're, we're doing one episode on the history of the English Bible, and there it is. We have it. We've got a Wycliffe text and a Tyndale text and the Bishop Bible and the Great Bible and a King James. I mean, what a great spot. Not all of these on locations is so choreographed. I remember the one we did in Germany where I was standing in the middle of the road because we decided to film it. And we had realized that a, a trolley or a bus had come through, but we had to perfectly time it so that we could get the five-minute episode recorded and I could safely get out of the middle of the road. Another time I did one in a place in L.A. that was a significant 20th century moment, 
And that section of L.A. is probably not quite the same as it was back <laughs> in the early 1900s. And I had a son along, <laughs> and I remember thinking, hmm, uh, I hope I get him out of here w- intact. Uh, so, so sometimes the on-location comes with challenges, uh, but they're always fun to do. And uh, it does add a, a texture to the event and, and to the moment. And we need to point out that uh, Five Minutes in Church History is no longer just a podcast. It's, it's a book. Right, Dr. Nichols? Yeah, we went through and uh, pulled out a number of these episodes to tell the story of church history. So we start with the early church and come right up to the 20th century. And the idea is that this can be a sort of bite-sized way for people to just walk their way through church history mm-hmm. and hopefully gain a big picture sense of things, but also uh, have an opportunity to look at some, you know, the forest, see the forest, but also have an opportunity to to just camp out at some very fascinating trees within that uh, forest of church history as they as they walk through the book. Well, I can think of no better way to end our conversation today than by going back to the beginning, the very first Five Minutes in Church History podcasts. Let's listen. Welcome to our first edition of Five Minutes in Church History. Let's start with one of the towering figures in church history, Augustine. Now, first things first. How do you pronounce his name? I had a church history professor in seminary who liked to say, St. Augustine is in Florida, St. Augustine is in heaven. So let's go with that. I'm struck by the very first word in Augustine's classic book, The Confessions. The word usually gets translated, great. A recent translation has the word, as vast. The Latin is magnus, and Augustine uses it to refer to God. This is why we need church history. We need to be reminded of what matters and what matters most. Do you know a sociologist of a few decades ago called us the belly button generation? We are so consumed with our own selves, so captivated by our own selves. This sociologist was saying we're like infants when they first discover their own belly button. They're utterly fascinated by it. Okay when you're an infant, but as we grow up, if we fail to see there's a whole world around us, we are living pretty shallow lives. If we're still fascinated by our belly buttons, something is definitely wrong. Enter Augustine and his opening word, Magnus. There is something in someone far greater than us, the greatest, in fact. This first word and the truth it represents controls Augustine's great book. After Augustine calls God the greatest, he refers to himself as a mere segment, as a dot. Now that's perspective. Historians tell us that Confessions is the first true autobiography. Kings had written chronicles of their exploits and conquests, but Augustine writes the first autobiography. True enough, but we would be wrong to assume that Augustine is the main character. That role belongs exclusively to God. Augustine calls God the Hound of Heaven, who relentlessly tracks Augustine down and draws Augustine to himself. God made Augustine, and God made us too, for himself. But we run the other way, and our restless hearts propel us in the opposite direction. So Augustine ends his first paragraph, You have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless. Unquietum is the Latin, until they find their rest, or pace is the Latin, peace and you. But we are not at peace. But this God who made us 
desires to remake us. Augustine liked to call humanity Adam's sinful lump. And this great potter, the Magnus, pulls some clay from this lump and reshapes it. He redeems sinful hearts through the atoning blood of the sacrifice of the God-man on the cross. God gives us peace. So Paul says in Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, this is a great God, the greatest. Our very first word should be none other than Augustine's. Our reflex should be, I am but a mere segment, a dot. And you, O God, you are great. The Confessions is more than an autobiography. It's even more than a classic text. Augustine's Confessions is a prayer, and it should be the prayer of all of us. So now we can re-enter the 21st century. Now we can come back to a place where, as Ed Welch put it so well in a book title, where people are big. They are Magnus. And God is small. He is the segment. We can come back to this world that has it so mixed up with the far better perspective and say, Magnus, vast and great are you alone, O God. What a challenging and comforting thought for us from Augustine for the week. I'm Steve Nichols. Thanks for joining us for Five Minutes in Church History. Dr. Nichols, what I love about this podcast is we're taking advantage of this medium that so many people are using to uh, be that belly button generation, you know, the selfie generation, the selfie generation. all this narcissism. And we're, we're using this tool that the Lord has provided us to be able to proclaim that God is Magnus. You're absolutely right, Nathan. And I think you see a, a true hunger today for people. This, this is why they're so glued to their phone. They're, they're, they're trying to find something. And the reality is a lot of the things that are put in front of them are not the answer. And they're not the truth. They're not the beauty. They're not the goodness that they were created for. And so as we use these media, we can introduce them to those things that will be the right answer. And the thing that also excites me about this is you think of the users of these media, they tend to be the younger generation. And it's so exciting for me, very gratifying for me, that through something like five minutes, we can introduce a younger generation to church history so that they can see this as a significant part of who they are in Christ and as a Christian disciple, that they belong to this church that Christ has been building for the millennia. And I just hope that encourages them to be faithful disciples in the 21st century. Well, thanks for listening to this bonus episode of Five Minutes in Church History. I just want to let you know that uh, in celebration of this book that has come out, we'll be giving away a free ebook copy of Five Minutes in Church History. All you need to do is go over to our website, five minutes in church slash free offer. And of course, that's the number five. We'll be giving that away for a limited time. So go over and check that out. Well, I'm Steve Nichols, and thanks for listening to this bonus episode of Five Minutes in Church History.